Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. Uh. <laughs> I'm I'm just me. I'm just me today because you know that's all you can be is you. <laughs> this is getting very motivational speakery very early. I don't know. I mean, we did we we just watched some of the smartest people on the planet be murdered. Well, not on the planet. Off, off the, the planet. planet. From the planet. From the okay, planet. Okay, be murdered by a extremely smart, adaptable uh foreign life, life form, form named after a cartoon a, character. All of this all of the above cartoon character. <laughs> version of so okay so we're covering life we yeah. can talk about it <laughs> um it's quite late we literally is now tomorrow yeah <laughs> just now okay so we will make this as quick and painless and somehow graphically disturbing as possible so life <laughs> okay this is uh we're still gonna be doing isolation horror for the next couple of di- next couple of sessions but this is i think the big quintessential one that kind of marries everything we've talked about so far mm-hmm. with, you mean, the alien, you know, the, the I mean, obviously the alien aspect well, yeah. with the spaceships, uh, the spaceships, with the space and the crew, <laughs> with the space and the crew and the aliens and the, and the planets, with like <laughs> underwater being the survival horror aspects, um, mm-hmm. kind of bridging the gap between both of the, or not just, what else have we covered? <laughs> Those, those are what we've those covered. Right. Okay, cool. So it's bridging the gap between the two of them specifically because it's. Uh, I, I saw some review that said that this movie was a lot like a like a gravity. Sort yeah, because it kind of deals a lot more with the actual space yeah. as compared to Alien, because Alien takes yeah. place on the spaceship. Yeah, Alien is a lot more about the alien itself and, and you're just on a space whereas underwater tends to be a little bit more about the environment that surrounds them and yeah. this kind of marries the two yes yeah, yeah yeah so with life before we get into it uh you were talking about when you went to go see it originally that mm-hmm. you didn't really know anything yeah i think it. i had maybe seen a trailer for it or I don't even know if I had seen that much. I think I had seen the poster for it for sure. I remember the poster. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I just kind of went on a whim to see this in a movie theater a couple years back now. Yeah, tell the story. It's a fun story. So um, I had been in New York doing some college visits, and I woke up early that day to rush for a Broadway show and get some tickets and then it started raining as soon as I got the tickets so I didn't want to just wait out in the rain in Times Square for a couple hours you didn't want to suck it up (laughs) (laughs) well so instead I went to see a movie I would have done the same because and I mean my two options my two big options were this movie and beauty the live action beauty and the beast remake that I had already seen I didn't really feel like seeing for a second time Man, in theaters. That really dates because we because you mentioned before we started talking or before we watched it that it, it was it's been about like four years since you've yeah. seen it. Like come March. Yeah, come March. March. Yeah, March of twenty seventeen. Yeah. I think is when this dropped. Yeah, yes. Because uh, I totally remember this whole period of time because I still worked at that movie theater mm-hmm. in my hometown. Because I remember first of all uh, going in. To seeing Beauty and the Beast, but it's also like we had a policy, like we got free movie tickets whenever we wanted. Uh, but um, certain companies, and by certain we mean just Disney, Disney, 
uh, any of their <laughs> properties that they had. So that included Star Wars, that included any Marvel movies, any movie that they had, including Beauty and the Beast. For the first, I believe, two to three weeks, privileges were suspended, and you couldn't get free movie tickets for them because they want to make all the money. Okay. Uh, I said no. I just went <laughs> to go see it. Like I literally, I remember once, because I, I saw it twice, uh, like after I wasn't working it. Mm-hmm. I took a, I took my hat that I would wear, like my Cinemark hat. Mm-hmm. And I put it on, and I had my coat on. So it looked like I was just going into work and I just nodded at people and I just went into the theater and watched it. <laughs> the second time I did the same thing, but I brought my friend who I who was who was I was taking to come see it. Uh, I told her I'm like, okay, so here's the deal. Um, you can technically come see this movie with me because I get one free guest ticket. Also, mm-hmm. so like this is all legal and totally fine, but like right now it's not. So what we're gonna do is uh, lie, and she was like totally on board for it. Like so, she came in, and I'm like, so I'm gonna go up to the podium, and you're gonna pretend to be a customer. He's gonna like, grab my coat and be like, well, excuse me, my you know, like my daughter left something in the theater. <laughs> and I'm gonna take you back to go in it, because the theater that we were going into uh, hadn't been cleaned yet. So I literally just brought her in there. We sat down, and waited. <laughs> This is the same environment that I saw life the first time. Okay. So I know I I'm back in high school. I'm like in my mind. I'm back. Statute of limitations school. is out on that for four years ago now. You know, right? if, if Disney <laughs> really wants the, okay. So I also was at a, a cheap theater. Okay, so <laughs> it was oh god seven fifty I believe maybe for like a matinee show. Okay. okay. So they really want fifteen bucks for when I went to go. Okay, sure. I say, and if anyone at Disney's listening, hey, um, come talk to yeah, first us. First of all, if you're listening, <laughs> you're not offering us a job. Uh, maybe you should be fired, <laughs> and not us. <laughs> uh, speaking of Disney, um, I'm sure one of these, Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay, cool. I knew it was gonna work. Okay, so um, Life we said came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was directed. I looked at it by. Um, that's the wrong Google Doc. We were just talking about episodes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's directed by Daniel Espinoza, uh, and it was co-written by the guys that wrote both Zombielands and both Deadpool's. I mean, this is a Sony release. Okay, yeah. So these guys were, you know, they're obviously big Sony writers, and they work a lot with Ryan Reynolds. This is like mm-hmm. I think their third or fourth movie that I saw on their IMDb that they did with him. Uh, so, again, like Underwater, this is a pretty small cast of people that you all, that you know from somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I believe there's only, like, five or six people total, mm-hmm. um, excluding the children that are in that, like, Times Square scene. That's right. Thing. Naming the alien. Oh, God, we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, so, Rebecca Ferguson is the, is the International Space Station's CDC liaison. Uh, or vice versa. She's the CDC's liaison for the, for the National, in- Space, International Space Station. Um, we know her best from Doctor, Doctor Sleep. Sleep. Uh, she's been in. I haven't seen any of the new ones, but she's in the newer Mission Impossible movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's also in the Greatest Showman, which which I, I still told- haven't seen. Wait, what the hell? Are you I serious? have never seen Greatest Showman. You are a twenty-one-year-old <laughs> musical theater student. Yes. In current day, yes, I don't understand. Well, you want to know? It's real funny. 
Um, my senior year, I was helping with an orchestra concert because they were doing like a musical theater night. Yeah, yeah. And so I offered to do a couple, they asked me to do a couple solos. And then they asked me when I showed up to my rehearsal with the orchestra <laughs> and they were like, Hey, do you know the greatest showman? And I went, not really. And they were like, Hey, can you That's learn this <laughs> song for the concert? And then I didn't. So I just kind of went up there and did the best I could with the sheet music in front of me by kind of sight reading it. The Right before the concert. Professionals. Professionalism is senior year of high school. So she's in that also. <laughs> and I all, I honestly didn't know, but like once I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, totally. Like that totally checks mm-hmm. out. Um, Hiroki Sonata. S-A-N-A-D-A. Not like, not the, like the car. Not like the car. Um, he was in Lost, uh, the Speed Racer movie, uh, oh Wolverine, uh, Westworld, and he's going to be in the upcoming Mortal Kombat movie! He's going to be Scorpion. Um, if you can't tell, we're very excited I, for dude, Mortal Kombat. The, all day today, I've been thinking about Mortal Kombat. <laughs> like, I, it just periods of silence, I'll just scream it to myself. <laughs> like, we're walking around Walmart, and I just was like, Mortal Kombat! Like, for no reason. Oh, God. Um, Arian Bakker, uh, he was in His Dark Materials, Carnival Row, and Good Omens. He's the bio officer. Okay. Makes contact with Calvin. Mm-hmm. I knew I knew him from somewhere. Yeah. It's because when I saw Life, I didn't know who he was, and then every, like, Amazon Prime or, like, paid cable show that's, mm-hmm. like, a super fantasy, like His Dark Materials, Carnival Row, Good Omens, are all extremely fantasy-driven shows. He's in all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, you have Ryan Reynolds, who everybody knows. Everyone knows from one uh, place or another. And uh, speaking of which, Jake Gyllenhaal also just is in everything. Uh, I had speaking of Disney, because obviously he was Mysterio and Far From Home. The mm-hmm. most re- I think that's his most recent thing. Uh, well, probably know. at least He's the most recent like thing that released, because everything shut down last that's year. That's true. Um... I don't know, have you ever seen Donnie Darko? We might not cover that one day just because... I have seen it. You've seen Donnie Darko and you <laughs> haven't seen The Greatest Showman. I've seen Donnie Darko, <laughs> but I've also seen The Greatest Showman, so it's okay. I'm sending some judgment here today. It's not really judgment, it's just disbelief. <laughs> oh, well that I understand. Uh, that I get from the movies I've seen I and haven't up- seen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bring it up only because I felt like Jake Gyllenhaal, I mean, he was the main character in Donnie Darko. But he's, I felt like he was the same type of character in this movie. He's a very flat affect. He's kind of, he doesn't seem like he's all there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't seem to have a lot of, like, bearing with other people. I mean, because he's yeah. just been in space for over a year. Yeah, they said, like, 400-some yeah. days. So obviously that's going to, like, gonna mess with yeah. you a little bit but then because I mean, that was straight that's not like the amount of time oh, yeah. like, they don't go that's back how long for, like they don't have like surely like they don't go back to earth like they stay there well no they can go back can. about every half year i think just but i thought it was just a switch i don't know i don't really know how it works but i don't think but i feel like they're not gonna just be like oh he wants to go back because you know like i mean uh the, the Japanese guy's mm-hmm. family. He was, well, yeah, he was having a baby. They're not going to let him go home. Well, and like, the big, the other thing that they mention about with him is he just broke the record for the longest consecutive times in space. Did, yeah. 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 
So, I, I just brought it up because, like, it's also the sort of person that chooses to stay in space. Yes, absolutely. And they even ask him several times, he's like, what am I going to do on Earth? It sucks there. I'd rather be up here. Yeah, he's like, I hate people. And then, uh, everyone he knows dies. Yeah. So that gets to the meat of what's going on. So, if you haven't seen or heard of life and wonder why we're covering it, um, it's because it's a group of science officers, primarily. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're all astronauts of some degree. Yes. They are all, you know, working on the International Space Station uh, for specifically a... They're there to intercept a Mars probe that was mm-hmm. picking up spore samples. Of, yes. Uh, no, it's not spore samples. Just, just samples, samples of, like, Mars' surface. Yeah. Um, soil then, samples? Soil samples, right? I think so. Soil I, that's what they I would call, call it. They Earth on Mars, they call it Mars. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I think they would still call it soil. <laughs> dirt. Uh, Mars so, dirt. Dirt, yeah. So they, they're looking into it, uh, so, you know, screening it for this and that. Rocks and molecules. Rocks. But, like ooh, they find single cell organisms. They find a single cell organism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe it, it was several single cell organisms that are all the same... Like, uh, like biological equivalent. Like, they're not mm-hmm. all members of one species. They're all different parts of one it, organism. Yeah, it's like an amoeba of yeah, sorts. Yeah, yeah. So it, it can it can act as a larger entity with all of these smaller yes. single cell organisms. I mean, each of them can work independently and can intake. It can process information, auditory, you know, visually. Yeah, they mentioned that it can can act as brain, muscle, or something else. I don't remember what the third... Ocular, yeah. yeah. So it could see, process information, and attack. And do shit. (laughs) With any part of its body. Mm -hmm. Uh, And how that sort of looks is is more um, gelatinous. They equate it to... um, what are they equated? They talked to... They, I mean, it looks like a starfish. For most yeah. Like, it's a weird-looking, like, see-through, floppy-looking, wet starfish. Mm-hmm. Um, that's extremely strong. <laughs> yeah, well, because it's aggressive. 100% muscle, if oh, it chooses to it's be. It's just... I mean, it can easily crush human bone. Uh, oh, yeah. It's extremely intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, so, obviously, when they find it, it's a single-cell organism... That is lying in a dormant state because of the lack of Mars atmosphere. So yes. once they give it more of an of an oxygen rich atmosphere, uh, the cell comes out of dormancy. As it, I mean, it, not like it comes back to life. It just kind of it kind of comes out of its coma yeah. of sorts. It, it wakes up, and you know, it's the first documented case of life outside of Earth. So it's a huge deal, and. Uh, because America's America, we just they they the government picked some random school in like was like Nebraska or Indiana somewhere. I don't know somewhere, but and they were like out like, of hey, eleven thousand schools. Name the alien life form, and they named it Calvin. So Calvin then proceeds to be <laughs> the most aggressive, powerful life form that humanity has ever known. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like. It, for maybe a week, it's just kind of like, oh, it's kind of fun. It's it's responding. It's creating um, appendages to mm-hmm. respond to its environment. Uh, and when they mean creating appendages, 
I mean, it just grows arms yeah. to touch things. <sighs> and then starts grabbing with those things and breaking... Breaking tools. Breaking metal tools. Yeah. Well, and that was a good thing. Like, it's... Not only is it extremely advanced, it's well beyond anything that humans have ever known, it's also way smarter. Oh, it yeah. It learns way faster. Like, we're not talking... Um, it's not some kind of like learning. I mean, I just watched all the Planet, of the, the new Planet of the Apes movies. Oh, recently. I love those. Um, you know, like how Caesar works in that is he's born with this, uh, you know, neural, you know, interface that, mm-hmm. that you know his brain develops and learns a lot faster than yeah. humans would. Like by the time he's a month old, you know, he's reading at like, a, you know. A, how old is eight? Like third grade level. Like mm-hmm. he's developing so quickly, but it's still within the relative realm of human possibility. Like yeah. he's just not getting any more intelligent than an average human. Um, it's, I mean, he's smart, obviously. Well, yeah. I mean, to the point that he learns how to speak and form complex, you know, plans. I mean, he conquers the world. <laughs> yeah. So he's smart. But like this thing, it's, it's it doesn't have a brain. Like it's it doesn't have. It's not a... Yeah, it doesn't have that dedicated you know, space to yeah. process information. Like, and it's not even where it watches, you know, the science officer use a tool. It's... It just intrinsically knows that if it needs to... like, So, you know, it's stuck in this little small incubation thing and only has access with work gloves mm-hmm. through, you know, obviously designated pockets. Yeah. You know, it, it goes into one of these gloves on the outside and it's like okay well I'm stuck here so it goes back inside picks up a small metal wand well and before this happens it had been starting to sleep again because something had messed with the atmosphere in That's the right. box and so the science officer yeah, so like, the science officer starts trying to prod it with a little electrical like a small cattle prod a, truly yeah, really a small cattle prod essentially and by the third time he does it it's freaking Calvin's freaking out about his own safety, so he breaks this metal wand well, it was and is starting to realize it, how he can protect himself. Yeah. Well, and it was interesting because it's, you know, when I think of uh, science fiction, obviously, that, mm-hmm. that, you know, science fiction characters or, or you know, animals, creatures yeah. that uh, learn exponentially or are smarter than other animals, I think, again, Planet of the Apes or, you know, Jurassic World. Yeah. With animals that operate at a very lower base, you know, intelligence, mm-hmm. there's a, a weird and creepy marriage between animal instinct and, like, complex thought. It's like in, in Jurassic Park, you have velociraptors who know how to hunt, but, like, animals know how to hunt. Yeah. But then it starts to learn how it can hunt people. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not only coming in contact with a brand new, completely, a complete foreign entity to itself. It's, it's watching and quickly learning how that thing behaves, mm-hmm. how, what that thing uses to defend itself, how it operates in its own new world, and then on the turn of a dime formulates complex strategies for how to hunt and kill that. Yeah. The alien from Aliens is different because it's just 
it's just hiding, and it, it because it's superior, it's going to kill anything it comes against. It's like it's mm-hmm. not, it doesn't have to try, you know. The, Calvin, no, if not knows, figures out that it's more powerful than everything else, but mm-hmm. it has a very strong base desire to live. Yes. So when they try to quarantine it, it's like okay, when well, to get out of this room, what are ways out? Mm-hmm. I can feel an air current going through this vent, so I'm going to go down this vent. Yeah. And it's, there is no room for it watching anything or learning by, you know, experiencing its environment. It just knows, mm-hmm. which is why I think this is such a weirder, scarier thing, because you can't anticipate it. Well, yeah, because it's too busy <laughs> trying to anticipate you. Yeah, well, and... and there's a good point later on where it, it's almost seeing these humans is immaterial in its mm-hmm. environment. It's only going after them because they are getting in its way of survival. Yeah. Like, I mean, until they poke at it, it never attacks them. Mm-hmm. Like, even when it's bigger and more menacing, it's not trying to kill them until they're like, oh, well, we're cutting off its oxygen supply and we're, you know doing shit actively to attack it, and mm-hmm. then it becomes antagonistic, and is like, okay, like, even towards the end, when they're trying to shoot out of an airlock, yeah. and they're they're all holding onto each other, it's using them as a chain to get out. It's not mm-hmm. trying to kill them, it's yeah. just trying to leave, because it, it, you know... Well, and I think <laughs> it starts to realize that these people are really a threat after it's broken out of that glove, when... Um, Ryan Reynolds' character starts shooting essentially a flamethrower at it <laughs> in a like tiny enclosed space. Well, and think about how it kills him. It it's it's pretty much just looked at him, mm-hmm. has noticed an orifice, and is has gathered that well. If I go in there, everything inside of it is not protected, mm-hmm. and I can just do anything. So it crawls inside of his mouth, and presumably just uh. like. Just kind of like Bro- walks around. Know. The fact that it is existing down his esophagus is going to kill him. I was like, watching it like go into his mouth it just made me so yeah. uncomfortable. I don't like it when it gets bigger and it does that because mm-hmm. it starts to eat with like a weird beak that it's made. Yeah, I don't like his yeah. face. Look at him. Oh god, it's so it's so dumb. Because I have a really good note. Like that whole thing we just talked about about how it's. You know, it's not evil, it's, it's just trying to evil. survive. I mean, like, they did that same thing in Alien where they're like, it's just the genetically perfect predator. Mm-hmm. But the predator's object is to kill prey, and mm-hmm. the alien sees humans as prey because it's like, okay, well, I can, I can kill them and remove a threat to my own survival, but I can also, in the later movies, mm-hmm. bring them back to the hive so that my species can reproduce. Yeah. So it's that drive of survival. In this movie, it's a completely, you know, alien environment to this creature, and it's trying to figure out how to not die. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's constantly being fucked with, <laughs> and humans don't have any idea what to do with it, so they're just, like, doing things that are, like, futile and just scaring the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole bit towards the, I guess, maybe three quarters of the way through, once they've kind of decided that they're just gonna cut off its air supply and then just let it die mm-hmm. while they wait for help to come get him. Uh, the the biology officer has a whole thing of it's just surviving. Calvin doesn't hate us, but he has to kill us in order to survive. Mm-hmm. And then the next time they see it, it's twice as big and has an evil face and eyes. Yeah. 
Like it starts to look like evil. Like a <laughs> like a like film villain. Yeah, like because it even like has like a little sneer. Yeah, it's got like an evil little smirk to it. No eyes, because like, of course. Well, I know obviously it's it's all just in how it looks biologically, and humans have a you know biological imperative to see faces when they look at things. So we obviously look at its weird face armor. And you're like, it's making an evil face at me. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's an evil face. It's definitely an <laughs> like evil face. Like, this thing was designed by humans to make it look scary, so they just <laughs> went back on that whole thing. Uh, I thought we would probably, I mean, now we thoroughly covered Kelvin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the rest of the movie around it, I think, is mm-hmm. very cool, because, you know, that gravity comparison is very apt. Yes. Because, I mean, I don't know if they shot it in Zero Gravity. Yeah, I'd be really... in Zero Gravity. I'd be really interested to see how they shot this movie. I mean, probably, presumably with a lot of harnesses. Like, that's yeah. how they shot Gravity. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they commit to it. The whole thing, if you're interested in space at all, like, it's it's super cool. Yes. it talks a lot about, you know, the muscular atrophying, uh, you know, their... The, like life on a space station, you mm-hmm. know, everything is airlocks and, you know, hallways are like three feet wide. Like the whole thing, I've always been so scared of space stations because the whole thing looks like it would break if you blew on it. Because mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just made out of like aluminum and like yeah. tape. I'm like, what the hell are you living well, in? Yeah, this? the amount of duct tape in on space it's devices is horrifying. Like the whole outside, like all those solar panels, like it literally mm-hmm. looks like you just crumpled tinfoil and were like, yeah. right, live in that. I'm like, no way. <laughs> no, thank you. Well, like they got that whole, I mean, from when they get Calvin to how they deal with situations of, you know, this movie is a great, you know, example of everything you do makes things worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, or they're just fucked. Like, mm-hmm. like okay, cool. Calvin's out. We have a thing we can retrofit into an incinerator. Awesome. Except that you're, like, almost out of fuel. Like, there's always a but. Yeah. Like, they're like, okay, cool. We can cut off air supply to Kelvin, and it will just die, because it needs, it needs oxygen to survive. Mm-hmm. And we can just reroute all of it to us. And, like, great. And we'll just wait for help. Doesn't matter how long. We got water. We got air. We're cool. And then the space... I don't know the space police, but, like, what's the <laughs> other thing that they... The guys that came to go get them... Yeah. Um... We're like, yeah, the protocol's just to push you into space because mm-hmm. we don't know how to deal with that. It's like every conceivable thing they could be doing, they're doing, and it's just not working. Yeah. Like, it's like Apollo 13 where, like, everything they do just fails and they have to think of some other way to not die. Well, and it's just so difficult because it feels like they're so close to Earth and yet Honestly, in reality they're so far like, from being able to have any help because like if they run out of anything they are going to be fucked well before anyone can get to them with any kind of backup supplies well it's like that thing we talked about with underwater where it's just a lot of science is standing in the way of you just simply going to somewhere Mm -hmm. like underwater you could theorize okay well if i'm trapped underwater i'll just swim it's like no the pressure will blow you up like yeah you'll be dead you know space it's like okay well we can just shoot, you know, we can just, you know, like, coast the space station into Earth's atmosphere and we'll just, like, we can, you you know, the escape pods and stuff, they have, like, have parachutes and stuff. They're mm-hmm. designed for re-entry. But it's the like, whole okay, space well, station would burn well, up in like the, the atmosphere. atmosphere will, you know, it's, you're traveling so quickly that you're going to burst into flame and die. Mm-hmm. So that's off the table. 
um, you have limited life support. So you have, you know, two to three hours of air and, you know, heat before mm-hmm. the heat shuts off. And yeah, you can breathe, but space is so cold that you'll eventually freeze to death. Yes. And all of these things kill humans. None of them kill Calvin. Yeah. <laughs> like, the point where they're like, oh, well, we can just die up here and it will be fine because it will run out of oxygen. It's like, well, no, because us jostling for, you know, the space airlock thing that they had attached to them to push them off into space got disconnected and pushed them into the atmosphere. So eventually, they'll burn up in the atmosphere and die. But Calvin won't. And well, he might on. not. Because well, they don't sure know. Exactly. Yeah, they have no fucking They're like, I don't fucking know. Maybe he'll do it. Maybe he'll survive this. Well, exactly. Because they're like, Calvin's a carbon-based life form, so he needs food, he needs water, he needs to breathe. And so far, he's eaten human. He's eaten any blood. kind of, like, organic matter. Because he yeah, also he attacked that rat. Matter. That's right. Because he just kind of absorbs organic matter mm-hmm. almost through, like, a a creepy Cronenbergian osmosis. Yeah. Just kind of like envelops it and it dissolves and then he absorbs it through his weird starfish. (laughs) It's very gross. Um, (laughs) They burned him a bunch of times. It didn't work. Yeah. What they did know is that he has to breathe oxygen. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously he doesn't need as much of it as humans do. Yeah. So it still will take a long time for him. It's like you're not going to beat it. You need to just leave. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, well, now how do we leave? We're in a space station. Fucking no one's coming. There's no... We can't talk to Earth. We have no fuel. Yeah, it's it's just... It's it's horrible. It's what I think isolation horror is at its finest is... Or survival horror, to, to connect them, is mm-hmm. half the battle is... Like, we talked about it last week. The, the creatures at the bottom of the ocean are irrelevant. Mm-hmm. You could very well just die... From any number Just of because ways. of the environment you're around. Like, it doesn't matter how smart you are. You could just be that screwed. Mm-hmm. Like, them in space, they did everything right, but fucking space sometimes just is like, you know, it doesn't play by the rules. Like, it's space. Yeah. You could just not... You could just die. It's yeah. That, it's very dangerous. <laughs> and then you have the added element of this thing being scared it's literally like that analogy of like letting a horse loose in a hospital or like a bull in a china (laughs) shop where yeah the bull is dangerous but like you know you're running a china shop i guess and the bull is breaking all your shit but you can't go like hey bull stop because it will kill you because it's terrifying (laughs) so like you're screwed either way and you can't call the police because they're like there's a bull we're not fucking going anywhere near that so, you know, what do you do? What do you do? Which is, I think that's cool, because we talked about, you know, a lot where people will get checked out of movies because they'll be like, well, they're not making good decisions, they're making dumb decisions. And it's like, well, first of all, I wouldn't know what to do on a space station. Oh, yeah. And if I did, I would be like, okay, well, let's do that. And like, well, we can't because that's broken. Or something like that. Well, yeah. So. Well, and I think, like, some of the big things about these isolation and more survival horrors is that they are put in these really extraordinary circumstances where your average situation, your solutions won't be able to apply. Like, your average thought in a space station would be like, oh, well, let's just fly away from Earth. But realistically, you're probably not going to have the kind of fuel to just be able to randomly go somewhere else. Well, and truly, how fuel works in space, normally, it's like, 
you think about space travel, you think about like Star Wars, things that have like thrusters, it's a lot of like big, you know, explosion type stuff. How things move in space is they just shoot air out to push them because there's no gravity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, escape pods like they had to Earth were just like shooting pressurized air away from where they needed to go. Like where they were, you know. So it's just like a lot of pushing things where they need to go just right. And because there's no gravity, it's super fickle because it could just keep moving. Like you pointed out, like if you just let go in zero gravity, you'll just You're keep just gonna keep moving. moving until something stops you. Yeah. Uh, Which is another horrifying thought, but that's a thought god, for another time. No. Oh my god, I couldn't even imagine. <sighs> Although the nice thing is that you're running up life support way before you hit anything else. Yes. So I mean <laughs> you'll it's fine. You'll still die screaming into the blackness, but uh, <laughs> um yeah, losing contact with Earth, the lowing, the loss of other systems, the growing lethality of the alien. Perfect situation where everything you do doesn't work or makes mm-hmm. things worse. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, but there's like a lot of cool parts You know, earlier on uh, before Kelvin totally fucks their shit up <laughs> where they're, they're asking legitimate questions about what they can and can't claim to know. Like, you know, Rebecca Ferguson's character is their their quarantine expert. So, you know, if they do bring anything back from Mars, they want to make sure that it's not dangerous to humans yes. or, you know, to anything. So, obviously, you have to follow a lot of protocols. And, you know, none of us know how to handle a quarantine, clearly, because that's never happened. Quarantine no, never, we don't believe ever. in quarantine. We have no here. idea what that's like. That's, that's a complete foreign alien concept. <laughs> so... You know, in this fanciful world where <laughs> we need to contain the spread of something, you know, you want to make sure that, you know, even if, you know, someone's in there and they're dead, you can't go in there and get them because mm-hmm. there's still a foreign contaminant that could be potentially dangerous to you. Yes. And, you know, the whole time that Kelvin's growing, you know, he's talking, about, their, their bio officer is talking about oh, this is how it might be living, this is probably what life on Mars was like for this thing. And, you know, they really have no idea. Oh, not a, like, not a clue. Not even good close. Well, because they <laughs> weren't even there when it was picked up. They have no idea what the actual cir- circumstances were on Mars for it. Well, and what's so strange is because it's... Like, when you see this movie the way that Calvin is relatively full grown, like we don't even know if that's his full size. Mm-hmm. Um, but Oh God. Exactly. Exactly. Uh. Um, that's not even like, let's say that that's full grown Calvin. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not what it's like, you know, th- th- these things are not just flying around on Mars. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what that ecosystem was like. A probe picked up samples of dirt on Mars. Mm-hmm. And then they were going to, you know, obviously dock back up at the space station. They're going to collect it and look at it. But, like, space rocks, I think, like, some kind of asteroid, you know, shower, meteor shower, whatever, hit Mm -hmm. this, you know, satellite probe, kind of pushing it off course. So they're like, okay, we got to course correct it and get it. And then even then, it was a bunch of single-celled dormant organisms yeah. That once they were together in a sustainable ecosystem, 
came to be that you know this was the way that these cells adapted with this environment. Mm-hmm. You know, in a hostile environment, you're going to become a hostile, you know, creature. Yes, because it needs to survive. Mars was obviously a lot. I'm assuming a lot less. A lot more you know, dormant. Yeah, well, there's probably not as much organic life. Yes. You know, it's eating a lot more just single-celled organisms. Other single-celled. So it doesn't have to turn into a giant monster. It can just mm-hmm. be an amoeba. Or yeah. Something like that. So, like, the possibilities for that are very cool. Because, like, you know, if we want to talk about, once we get to the Alien movies, like, the Prometheus stuff, where mm-hmm. it's a lot of, like, the Xenomorphs were made. They were not, like, those aliens are not just living on a planet somewhere. Yeah. Like, they are, they were specifically genetically engineered to be that way. This is the reverse of that, where it's a standard life form that's a blank slate for whatever its its circumstances require it. And this is what Survival Instinct said that this thing should be. So I guess credit for us for making nature think we're that dangerous that we can be (laughs) met with, like, a complete nuclear response, (laughs) you know? (laughs) <laughs> Calvin scares me, man. That Calvin, case is weird. Calvin's creepy, dude. Well, and another thing I think that's a really important thing about life as a movie in the isolation horror genre is I think it's the perfect blend of the pacing between Underwater yeah. and Alien. Because Alien takes a long time to do that slow build until the alien shows up. Yeah. Whereas Underwater starts basically from the get-go. And this, I think, is the perfect in-between because... It takes a little time to set your set the tone of life on the space station before they jump into, we found something that theoretically could be a life form. We found a single cell life form before it turns into something we need to take care of or else it will kill us. Well, in a good quarter of the movie, it's, you know, it, it, like you said, it's the perfect marriage where instead of underwater being a huge thing immediately and then halfway through the movie, they're like, oh, shit's trying to kill us. Mm-hmm. Life, it's, you know, life on the space station is clearly tumultuous and dangerous. Yeah. Now we have this thing, and it's cool for a while, and then all of a sudden it's not, and then from there to the end, it is constant... Worry. Yeah. worry about not dying here. So, yeah, like, you have that, and then, like you said, like, the trailer for this movie, when I saw it, I didn't I wasn't sure if it was going to be a horror movie or not. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be some kind of other type of space thriller because there's a lot of those out there. Yeah. Where they're space thrillers. Like, mm. They're not like horror movies. They're Space is a very scary, dangerous thing to do. Yeah. To, to work in or to do any remote thing about it. Um, I think Ad Astra recently with Brad Pitt. That's like, right. It's supposed to be some kind of vague space. Like I know I don't know anything about it, but like, it's obviously about astronauts and space travel, but the thriller element of it, I don't know. I just think you have to go mm-hmm. see the movie for. Life was the same feel, but I knew that it centered around finding an alien life form. Yeah. I didn't know what it was going to do mm-hmm. or how or, you know, if it was just sort of thing where they're like, you know, almost like Wally, where they're like, you know, shit's happening, but we gotta make sure this thing stays alive so we can take it to Earth and stuff. Yeah. So. I like that analogy, comparing yeah. it to Wally. See, but, like, it's so much nicer that way. If oh, they're yeah. like, hey, man, like, Saving Private Ryan, we're like, we can't let this thing die. Like, one of us has to live and bring it back to Earth and be like, 
this is Calvin. He's gonna like solve all of our problems. But instead, it's like, no, it's super dangerous. Yeah. Probably left it in space. <laughs> so it's it's cool because I mean, it's written that same way where you can go watch it and yeah, there's horror stuff happening and like there's some parts that are kind of gross, but it's within the same seriousness. Like there's it's not campy, it's not gory. No, it's I was just real. saying, like underwater, it's very, it's like, very real. They're doing in what's it going very on. realistically. Well, yeah, and I do really enjoy that the deaths in this movie aren't overly graphic because with what Calvin is, it very well could have gotten very unnecessarily graphic. Well, and some of them, I mean, I can only think of one. I'm sure there's at least one or two others, but like underwater, where most of the deaths were of the environment and the circumstances, and not mm-hmm. the weird creatures. Uh, like, what, a couple people just die because, you know, Calvin fucked with their shit. Well, yeah, they're just dying like from injuries. Them, yeah, like, they're dying from injuries or... Or new like that. Like potential Calvin's hazards not, like, in their it, it's life. It's not like the xenomorph, like, eating their face off. Like, yeah. It's, they're dying from other things happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, he obviously kills some people. Yeah. Uh, but it's that in-between bit where it's just as much a... Like, I think you could really tell it by the kills in all of these movies. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on how they die, you can tell if it's more horror or, like, survival. Like, everyone in Alien dies from the Xenomorph. Mm-hmm. I think. Everyone in Alien that dies, dies from the aliens, like, one-to-one. Like, it kills yeah. them. You know, underwater, most of them die from, from the other creatures. things. And I think in this movie, it's a perfect split. Yeah. Of most of them are dead... Or not most, like half or some are like yeah. Calvin kills maybe half the people that die in this movie, and the other half die because know, trying to space stop stuff them or something like that. Yeah, space stuff or you know other type of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, which, if that's all you have to say about life, yeah, I yeah. mean, I would definitely highly recommend this Absolutely. movie, and I think it's another movie where it doesn't go very deep into like i'm going to scare you it's no. very real in the f- yeah. in the fear it makes you feel for these characters but it's not going to be like i don't think it's going to be a movie that most people will no. be like i'm scared of space now not because of anything well, else like, that exists space is a weird I mean, space and underwater to a lesser extent they're scary because we just don't know we don't know them. anything but it's not like the woods where, you know, it's fucking right over there. Like, it's mm-hmm. space, and it's the deep depths of the ocean. Yeah. So, like, and with space, obviously, like, alien life forms as a whole, their ballpark. Like, a lot of people aren't really afraid of aliens anyway. hmm And, you know, because they're just monsters, really. It's not like yeah. they're, you know... They're not tangible things. Yeah, yeah. Or or monsters that are more realistic. I, I don't know. There's just some other, like, layer, extra layer of fiction with them. So mm-hmm. they're, like, lo- a lot less scary um, than, you know, something like Cthulhu or some <laughs> bullshit. Hypothetically, <laughs> of course. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, so, I, I mean, I remember when I saw this, I was, I think, in, a, like, a relatively empty theater thoroughly enjoyed it and was glad that I was by myself because I got to have a whole range of like response emotions mm-hmm. without having to hold back I'm like oh shit oh shit like you get into this movie like yes. it's cool like survival horror especially when like the characters are trying to do shit and you're really pulling for them mm-hmm. you're like I really hope that they do this or, like that this this one thing please work well and I think these are some these are also some of the best movies 
to watch with like a really close friend or yeah. a really close group of friends because you will get invested in these characters and you will talk to the TV. Well, you and, just and will. When, cause, especially because it's like, okay, we're strategizing. Yeah. Okay, we're we're what, seven miles underwater. Yeah. How the hell are we going to get out? Like, well, I don't know the first thing about physics. So yeah. <laughs> um, so speaking of sort of that along the same lines, I was going to say, you know, the, you know, Alien has mostly creature deaths. Underwater is mostly environment deaths. Life is the split. Uh, our next week's movie is 1,000% all creature deaths. <laughs> because we're going to talk about the... Uh, so, I mean, this is... We're going to leave off some of them that are more winter isolation. Because stuff like Frozen, I would love to talk about someday. And I can't wait to talk about oh, the thing. Both we will thoroughly cover. But uh, we're going to cap off isolation horror... Uh, with something that's, I think, probably, unfortunately, the most realistic, but not <laughs> really, just because it takes place on Earth during mm-hmm. an actual cycle of nature. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk about 30 Days of Night, uh, which, if by the sound of it, you should already be afraid of, because that concept is terrifying. Now, yes. Like, imagine not being able to see the sun for 30 days. Now, imagine that during those that period... Uh, a bunch of creatures that's only weakness was the sun decided to kill you and your whole village. Because that's what 30 Days of Night's about, and I'm so excited to see it. I'm so excited to see it. You haven't seen it. I have not seen it. Oh, man, it's going to be hype. All right, so that does it for our tame isolation horror movies. (laughs) Because 30 Days of Night's a fucking bullet bad, man. It's so much fun. I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, So... We got our plugs. As usual, follow us on Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can reach our email at squarehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. And we are available uh, on the DMs of our Instagram. And if you want to email us, just you know, anything you want to talk about. How was, how was your day? How was your day, Dan? Yeah, sometimes you just got to talk through something like that. I had a really good day today. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I had a great day. I mean, we, we made a day of shopping today. We made yeah, a day we of it. We, uh, we, we got groceries, um, and uh, we saw that our local GameStop was having a fire sale, so we picked up a bunch of stuff. And uh, yeah, man. So we want to hear about your days, your, all of your days. Let yeah. us know what kind of day you had. And um, hopefully it'll be better than everyone's days that have that we've covered so far. Yes. Because all of it is kind of turned horrible. Yeah. Work sucks, man. I think that's just the big general... <laughs> that's the big general, like, leave it at that. Like, with the exception of 30 Days of Night, all of these movies are just people working, getting screwed over. Yeah. So it's just... Our whole, like, theme for the last month and a half is just work sucks. I, yeah. Isolation horror foray. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, stay spooky out there. Thank you.